Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. And we're glad to have our friend Tim Scott from Christ Our Treasure podcast back with us. Yes. Uh, hey, he was out of commission because of pastoral duties, and uh, now apparently he has no more pastoral duties. And I'm still out of commission. Yeah, and you're still out of commission. Um, he's not going on a date with his wife today, so he can be with us. <laughs> so. Anyways, glad you're here. You missed some very important things, and I'm sure your input would have been valuable, Tim, but we went on without you. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to soldier on. (laughs) Yeah, we survived. We were pleasantly surprised to find out that we have some hate mail. Um, I'm still not sure whether it's hate mail. I don't know what to think of this piece of mail that we got, but Matthew, as we promised, we are going to... If you send us hate mail, we're going to read it. Matthew's going to read it for you. I've been listening for a while, and I still don't understand why it's called Ordinary Fellowship when the show is anything but ordinary. Yeah, the hosts get along and stuff, but I have no idea what you're talking about most times. I'm supposed to not like natural law, but after I listened to your episode and understood what you meant... I agreed with it, and now I'm confused about my life. Thanks a lot. I'll keep listening, but as a word of advice to anyone else listening, keep your dictionary close by. These guys are too smart. So, wow, that, that's, some, that's, some, that's some nasty hate mail there. <laughs> well, you know, you just got to consider the source, so... <laughs> I, I think he means natural theology too, not natural law, because we've not done an episode on natural law. So no, he's um, confused. He is quite confused. He's so confused he didn't even know what the episode was about. <laughs> <laughs> See, you guys did such a great job confusing him. <laughs> if you send us hate mail, we will read it. Unless there's vulgarities in it, then uh, maybe Tim won't read it. But anyway. <laughs> I'll just pay, I'll just bleep him out. <laughs> Well, supposedly we have the capability of doing that, but um, I don't know how to do it. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure you like it, rate it on whatever podcast podcaster you listen to it on. Share episodes with your friends that you especially appreciate. Feel free to comment on our Facebook posts as well. We share. I try to <laughs> share these episodes. So um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, we'll be glad to hear them. Um, please share our podcast. We would like to uh, influence, hopefully in a good way, as many people as possible. So uh, if you do that for us, that would be greatly appreciated. Matthew will be eternally grateful 
if you share our podcast. This so. is true. All right. So enough for the nonsense. Uh, we're talking about sanctification. We've been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit for quite a while now. We've talked about his work in creation and providence. We spent a great deal of time talking about the Spirit's work in redemption. We're still talking about redemption in the sense when we're talking about sanctification. This has to do with the Christian life, where before we were talking about Jesus bringing us to faith through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now we've switched from where the hypothetical person is a Christian now and and living the Christian life. And so we're talking about the Spirit's work in our Christian life. And we began talking about sanctification last week. So I read for you Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 at the beginning. Uh, this is one of the many passages in the Bible that speaks of the Christian life as being a journey, or in this case, a race. Christian life is a race, and so the Spirit is helping us on this race. He helps us through the means of grace, that is, the word, ordinances, and prayer. The Spirit helps us in this way on our journey, and so He's there for us the entire journey. He does this by encouraging us to mortify sin. Last week, we talked more in depth about this, and it's the whole idea of killing sin as soon as it enters your mind, cutting it off at the source so that the life the life of sin is drained from you. We're talk, we talked about vivif- vivification, if I can say that word, which is living unto righteousness, and that's how the Spirit works in us. He's with us in our entire journey. Do you guys have anything to add to that brief summary of where we've been? No, I mean, I, I wish I could have been with you guys. It sounded like a fun conversation. Um, but I would say this. I would say just to Owen's point on, on this idea of uh, John Owen, on this idea of um, um, mortification of sin, you know, w- one of the things he does talk about in there, and I think it's a cautionary tale for us, is while we're mortifi- mortifying one sin, we have to be careful that we're not going, that we're not trading one sin for the next sin. Um, so while we are, you know, say, say we're mortifying the sin of anger, but, you know, at the same time, we are um, we're giving in to the sin of, of gossip and exchanging just one for the other. We have to be careful with that. And, and, and obviously the spirit is going to work and, and move in all of that. And I, I would even say, you know, in, in pastoral counseling that I've done, and, and may, I'm sure you've seen this too, Jeremy, that even in mortification, mortification at times can be a very difficult work as, as pastors helping people see what's going on, because it's not always the sin that's manifesting. It's actually the underlying issue, you know? And so sometimes you'll hear people talk about seeing the sin beneath the sin. I can recall one particular instance where um, a man came to me and was dealing with this sin of, of anger. But as we talked and as we, as we read the Bible, as we, as we counseled from scripture together, it became evident that this anger was actually coming from another, from another, from a deeper root source of, you know, um, uh, in his case, and I know it's not always the case, but in his case, entitlement, he felt like he was entitled to um, not be inconvenienced in his case. And so, you know, again, I, I think it is important as we talk about this, that we talk about this in all of its entirety right. and its, you know, wickedness, uh, its insidiousness. And, and that's the one thing we have to, you know, keep in mind is that we can never underestimate the insidiousness of, of sin and the difficulty even of, of the, the mortification of sin. And that's why I think Owen does such a good job with, with bringing this out. 
Right. So it's not just particular sins that we're trying to kill, but we're trying to kill that sin nature in us continually, which is ultimately the source of every other of particular sins. So we're, we're trying to kill that while at the same time, also killing particular sins as well. Yeah. So good word. So anything else then before we move on today, we want to spend most of our time, hopefully talking about what it means to be led by the spirit. Now, popularly in evangelical circles, this has quite a different meaning than to people than what I think the Bible does. Let's briefly give everybody an idea of what usually is meant uh, by leading of the spirit when from uh, your typical evangelical. I know Matthew and I have said this time and time again, anytime the Holy Spirit comes up in our conversations on here, that it always has to do with spontaneity. So if you feel spontaneous, like in church, for example, if you do something that's not on the bulletin and it wasn't planned, well, that was the work of the Spirit for sure. Because apparently some folks don't think the Spirit works in an orderly way. He just works uh, in spontaneous ways. So these spontaneous things, whether they're things in church or, or in your regular life, people chalk that up to being led by the Spirit. Um, another thing I think people think of when they mean led by the Spirit is this idea that uh, it's our job to somehow find out what God's perfect will is for our lives. In other words, God, God has a certain house that he wants you to buy. And so then you have to pray about which house should I buy and then whatever, and then you buy that house that God is leading you to buy and to buy the other house that God's not leading you to buy will lead to terrible problems in your life and you won't be in the center of God's will. Um, And you can take out what's that said and your house will fall down and your faucets (laughs) will bust and your basement will flood. Yes, you lose your firstborn and all those kind of things. <laughs> be the plague. But you can say the same thing about your job, all those kind of things. Th- those are usually the ideas of what it means to be led by the Spirit. In other words, whatever whatever the feeling is that leads you to buy one house over the other or take one job rather than the other or buy this loaf of bread when other than that loaf of bread, that's thought to be the leading of the spirit. Hmm. Of course, the problem with these ideas is that they're nowhere found in scripture. Right. And, and which isn't to say that we shouldn't be. um, And I I know you're not saying this, but, but, you know, some people I think get the wrong idea when we say things like this, they, they somehow think that we're saying, well, you don't need to pray about anything. And that's not at all what we're saying. We're, We're saying you should, you know, be in, in, in prayerful, um, you know, deliberations, and you should be, you should certainly be thinking through the, um, you know, are there, are there um, better opportunities for, for, uh, for me by buying this house versus that house or, or so, so we're not talking about not exercising God-given wisdom and, and, and being prayerful and, and seeking, seeking God's wisdom and all of that. But I, I fear that when we, when we start saying this, that God, that we don't need still small voices and we don't need, uh, you know, a feeling in my gut, you yeah. know, that, that we're saying somehow that you shouldn't be prayerful and you shouldn't be um, exercising wisdom. Well, and even you might have a gut feeling and I have no problem with 
making a decision based on a gut feeling sometimes, but I just, I would hesitate to call the gut feeling the Holy spirit um, and blame him for it. Yeah. So uh, there sometimes the only, the only way to choose between two equally good options is that gut feeling that this is the better choice. So, and obviously God's working in that way, but uh, Matthew, I, I think you can, Tell us about the leading of this in a fundamentalist church when the pastor wants to do something. How's that work? <laughs> so this is probably too cynical a way to say this, but leading of the spirit is the spiritual trump card to do whatever I want to do. Mm. Right. That fit into some of what you're talking about, but it also you have to take into everything Tim just said that you're not saying, and even in that definition, that we're not talking about not praying or anything like that, but far too often leading to the spirit is I want to do this and I don't want anyone to question me. So I'm going to throw this spiritual moniker on it. And how can I, how can someone tell me they know better than God? Right. And this is very troubling to me, especially when it comes from a pastor, because the pastor, you know, he, he wants to build a building and he, well, he prayed about it and the spirit's leading him. So, how how does someone argue with that? Well, <laughs> you're arguing against God at that point and not just the pastor. Right. Um, and, and as you guys said, I, I think the, the right way to make these decisions is the way of wisdom. And the Bible tells us that if we lack wisdom, we need to pray for it, right? So if we're seeking to make a wise choice about our career or about where to live or a pastor and making decisions about a building program, they ought, we ought to pray for wisdom. And it's, it's actually a sin not to be wise. It's sinful to be foolish. And, and certainly the spirit of God works in that. My question is that we need to know absolutely for sure that it's the spirit before we're saying the spirit told me so-and-so. God led me to do thus and so. And too often, I think it's used, like Matthew said, as a, as a trump card for any, against any argument. Because well, and, and you're arguing against you, God at that point. Well, yeah, and, and other, otherwise, at, at some level, too, then you're, you're also going to end up with the whole slew of false prophets that were like, you know, Donald Trump was going to win back in, you know, back <laughs> in the day. And, you know, and now they're all like, you know, now they, they're you know, they, they, God told me this and God showed me that and God took me to heaven and, and all this other foolishness. And, you know, and then yeah. you end up with that kind of craziness too, or go, go the other direction and, and you get into probably what's the more common um, view of, uh, for at least the everyday Christian, which is, um, you know, uh, hearing still small voices. And, um, you know, I read, um, or I heard Beth Moore once talk about hearing God's, uh, I don't remember exactly how she put it, but, but something about God's, um, silent, gentle voice, you know, what, what does that and even that, mean? But uh, not to complete misreading of the passage where, uh, that's talked about in the scripture, which is pretty typical for Beth Moore, but <laughs> moving on from that, <laughs> Charles Stanley does the same thing. Yeah, um, sure. He does. And a lot of people do. He calls it a check in his spirit. So it's, it really has to do with mysticism and things like that. And I, I completely reject mysticism, but not all Christians do, and I'm not here to make that argument. But I, I'm just here to say this, 
what we're trying to talk about now is what typically is thought of as leading of the spirit. And uh, we're trying to say that that's not what we, how we view the uh, leading of the spirit. So enough of the negative and the criticism. Let's turn to what the Bible actually says about the leading of the spirit. There's two main passages, Romans 8, 1 through 17 speaks of the leading of the Spirit, as does Galatians 5. Let me read uh, Romans 8, 6, and a little farther. Uh, Romans 8, 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Obviously, in this passage, the flesh is contrary to the spirit. So it's the flesh is the opposite. The flesh is the enemy of the spirit in this passage. And then he goes on in verse 9 to say, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. We see some contrasts here. The flesh brings death and hostility to God. And the Spirit brings life and peace to God. We see also that flesh is not submissive. It refuses to submit to the law of God. In verse 8, it's unable. There's inability there. We We cannot do that. But in the Spirit, the Spirit dwells in us, which implies that because of the Spirit, we're submissive. And then... The Spirit also enables righteousness. We're righteous because of the Spirit. Where before, in the flesh, there was no righteousness. We were hostile to God. Now the Spirit has made us right. So then continuing on with the passage, So then, brothers, we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Here we actually get the phrase, led by the Spirit. And it seems to me to be parallel to to putting to death the deeds of the flesh. So he says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then he explains in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. These seem to me to be parallel So that in Romans, what Paul is talking about, to be led by the Spirit, means to put to death the deeds of the flesh. That seems to me to be the same thing. So what I think Paul is getting at here, to put it in simple terms, is that the leading of the Spirit enables believers to obey the moral law of God, not find the, the moral will of God, not find some secret will of God by waiting for that still small voice or that check in your spirit. It's it's about the, obeying the moral law of God, not finding the secret will of God. 
Right. Well, you're right. Because I mean, we, we somehow think that, that we, we need to find that, uh, that secret will as if God is uh, almost like God is playing, uh, playing games with us. It, and in that sense, to, to make a, you know, just to use a funny analogy, do you remember, you remember that, uh, I don't know what insurance commercial it was with the guy with that had the fishing rod and he was like, oops, almost had it. Almost got it. Almost got it. Um, you know, had like a dollar bill on it and it was dangling up there and he was playing. And that's sometimes the way we view God. It was like, oh, almost there. Oh, almost got it. Almost, almost, not quite. Keep going, you know. And that's the way I think we view things um, when in reality, scripture, I think, tells us something completely different. Right. So in Romans, what Paul is saying again is that um, the leading of the spirit enables us to live according to the moral law of God, which is really what sanctification is all about. It's being righteous. And what is being righteous? That it's being conformed to the law of God. So if the leading of the Spirit enables us to live according to the moral law of God, then the Spirit is making us righteous. The Spirit is sanctifying us and making us holy. That's clearly in Romans chapter 8 what is being talked about. If you rip it out of its context and say, well, it says led by the Spirit, and then put all kinds of meaning in it that's not there in the text, then you get to other ideas. But if reading what the text is is getting at, what is there in the text, the leading of the Spirit leads us to obey the moral law of God. So the next passage is uh, Galatians 5, 16 to 17, uh, and then I'll skip down to verse 25. So it says but I, here in Galatians, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And then verse 25, after mentioning the fruit of the Spirit, Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Again, Paul is making flesh and the Spirit contrary to one another. They're against each other. They're enemies opposing one another. And here, the the flesh seems to be about desires and gratifying sinful desires. And if that's the case, then the Spirit is about giving us holy desires. That's what we see when in the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. This is what the Spirit is doing in us. When the Spirit is leading us, he's producing us in us these holy desires. He's producing in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's producing all these things in us. And that's what it means to live by the Spirit, to follow those good desires the Spirit is putting in the heart of a believer and to reject and to kill those sinful desires that are in us because the flesh still remains. So we're supposed to follow the Spirit rather than the flesh. And in following the leading of the Spirit, we're going to desire holy and good things. Well, and and, and to that point, right, this is this is one of the reasons why we are commanded both to, uh, well, commanded on several different fronts. One, uh, Paul tells the Ephesian church not to be drunk with wine, right? Uh, but to be filled with the Spirit. Um, we're told not to grieve the Spirit. We're told not to quench the Spirit. Because if we're doing these things, then um, 
then then the then then the spirit is not going to be or, or we are resisting the work of the spirit in our lives right because to quench if you quench a fire you put it out mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not there anymore right. so if the holy spirit is producing in us these good desires and we quench the spirit that's killing those good desires that's really not <laughs> what we want that's what we want <laughs> We want to fan the flames of the spirit, as Paul tells Timothy. We need to fan those flames so the fire burns bright and those desires continue to increase. And we more and more follow the leading of the spirit. What we want to kill is those fleshly desires. That's what we want to quench. That's the fire that we want to put out. And it's the spirit, of course, that helps us to do that, which is what we talked about last week. Um so not only does he help us kill the flesh, but he also positively puts good desires in us so that we'll desire holiness and and not sinfulness. So well, and that's that's part of that's part of Paul's point, I think, when he talks about um, you know, that famous passage that God will never put more on you than you can ever, you know, handle, or you know, people abuse that passage in Corinthians, you know. Um right. Paul's point there is is not that we're not it isn't uh, about phys- necessarily physical difficulties or anything, but the spirit's work in our life that enables us to walk in the midst of difficulties and persecutions and, and suffering. And the midst of all of this, we're, we're able to walk in the power of Christ and the power of God through the spirit. We're able to walk through the spirit of God through these times. And he enables us to, to walk successfully in these moments of great difficulty and persecution and problems. Amen. Anything else about those passages before we talk about B.B. Uh, Warfield's comments? Um, as far as as far as Galatians goes, and, and here's here's the thing. So, as you know, that Proverbs presents to us two women: the the foolish woman, uh, the adulterous woman, and the the wisdom and, wisdom. and, and the woman named Wisdom. Right? These are the two women that are that are constantly contrasted. Well. Paul in Galatians talks about um, the law and 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 grace, and talking about we're of again two women, Hagar and Sarah, and which one mm-hmm. are we of? And and I think Paul is also um, pointing to this same contrast of um, the way of the flesh is the way of the woman of foolishness and ignorance and adultery and adulterousness. And the way of wisdom is given by only by the spirit. And I'll even say this, this really is a, is a larger thing because you get into the more cosmic conflict in Revelation and you have the, the whore of Babylon uh, versus the church that's contrasted right and the Christ. Christ that's contrasted. So my point is that in all of this, it is interesting how Paul is, is establishing this w- one way of, of destruction and death uh, and 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 foolishness, and the other of life and of um, of of wisdom. Yeah, good thoughts, Matthew. Do you have anything to add? Not to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that sounds ominous. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're like, going to get it. I've up got here something and, coming, you know, boys. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> so okay, so let's talk about BB Warfield, a great man of God. He was right as opposed to Abraham Kuyper, but um, not going to say anything about that. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to talk to you about this at this point. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That was just a little dig at Tim, but Warfield made, uh, when he's talking about the leading of the spirit made some really helpful observations. The first three, I'm just going to read off because I think they're important for us to know. And they're all biblical, but Warfield expressed them well. First, he said, the leading of the spirit is common to all believers. So the leading of the spirit is not for the super saints you know, or the super sanctified. As soon as you're born again, uh, you have the spirit and the spirit is leading you in the ways that we talked about to live according to the moral law of God. And he's giving you new good godly desires in your heart. Secondly, the leading of the Spirit doesn't enable us to escape difficulty, but enables us to conquer sin. So just because you have the Spirit doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And then finally, he says, the leading of the Spirit is continuous throughout the life of the believer. So the, the Spirit will always be with us. Now, he also takes some time to really uh, get in-depth with the term that's translated lead. What he says briefly is that it doesn't mean guide. Instead, it means lead in the sense of leading animal, which should tell us something about ourselves, <laughs> that spirit has to lead us that way. But I think when the caution that he points out is very, very helpful uh, when it comes to sanctification in general and the leading of the spirit. The term does not suggest that the spirit is a substitute for our actions. He doesn't carry us or drag us. Instead, it is his part, the Spirit's part, to keep us in the path and to bring us at length to the goal. But as we who tread every step of the way, our limbs that grow weary with the labor, our heart that faints, our courage that fails as we toil on over the steep ascent. So the Spirit is bringing us to the goal. He's keeping us on the right path in a variety of different ways. But at the end of the day, the spirit, that's what the spirit is doing, but it's we who are doing the work so that we're the ones that are getting tired and, and spent in this. And I, I think that's very helpful for us to, to think about sanctification because in coming to Christ, it's completely the work of the spirit. Whereas as once we're believers, while it's ultimately God who sanctifies us, there is work for us to do. And I think Warfield is really getting rid of this idea that's popularly expressed as let go and let God. Um, uh, yeah, Keswick theology. Yeah, because, you know, the, and the problem with this let go and let God, in some way, you know, it could be said in some ways that are biblical, but when it's, a lot of the ways I've seen people use that is they're struggling. They know they have their this sin in their lives, but God hasn't gotten rid of it yet. And as if they have to wait until God gets rid of it. When the reality is, we just need to stop. It's not. It's not about waiting until this feeling comes. Waiting until God does something. But we need to take action. And sometimes that action is just stop it. No, but no, that you're right. I mean, there are times when, you know, <clears throat> the um, the spirit is um, is at work 
you know, to put up um, roadblocks for us. And we're just like, oh, you know, oh, well, you know, I've got my mind set up on this or set up on that. And the spirit saying no. And we're just like, well, maybe you mean no. <laughs> for now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for now, for the moment. Maybe, but I'll come back in six minutes and ask you again. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this is, I, I think it's important to say. So that's all that I got for um, being led by the spirit. Tim looks like he's wanting to quote um, Abraham Kuyper for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We, we will leave Kuyper out. Uh, we'll leave my hero of the faith, Abraham Kuyper out of all of this. But I will say that, um, cer- certainly, you know, just because I like Kuiper doesn't mean I agree with everything he says. But I, I do think that going going back to your reference to the Keswick theology of letting letting go and letting God, I really think that this this really gained a hole through the whole Wesley's holiness meth- methods. Uh, I think a lot of that really gained whole hold, particularly during even the Second Great Awakening, and, and never really has been shaken from our um, conscience or our, our, maybe our influence. Right. And what I, what I like about it is that it encourages faith in Christ to overcome sin, but faith is the problem is, is that then faith becomes a substitute for action. Faith and action, faith and works go together. There are other issues with Keswick theology other than that, but yeah, but, but still, I mean, but, but but I think the point is sound. Right. So Matthew, you look like you had something to add to to our discussion. Is this when you're going to let us dun, have dun, it? Dun. <laughs> I'll just say this: one of the issues that form in evangelicalism is that far too often we believe that sanctification is the magic fairy. We just stand still, and God makes us holy, and that we don't have to put forth any effort whatsoever. So I don't have to go to church. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I don't have to be a part of a community of believers. God just is just going to magically turn me into holy. And then we get frustrated when that doesn't happen because it goes back to everything we've talked about in this episode, because what we're actually doing is quenching the spirit and not letting those flames of desire and love be engulfed. And then we get discouraged and we want to give up. And that leads to a whole nother conversation we've had before about deconstruction and all of that. (laughs) But it's fundamentally because we don't want to put any work in. Yeah. Well, and and, and the thing that makes, so, you know, the old joke, um, you know, about, um, you know, the guy that was stranded on the, on the, uh, the roof of his house, you know, and the flood was rising and, you know, two guys came by in a boat or two, two different boats came by and then a helicopter came by and he dies in the flood and gets to the pearly gates and says, God, I had faith in you that you, you know, that you were going to save me. And he said, well, I sent two boats and a helicopter for you. You know, and I, I think the reason that's so funny is because it does get at the heart of exactly what, what you and Matthew are talking about is this idea that I don't have to do anything. I can just stand here and be okay. And God's going to make me good. Yeah. That's, this is why the Puritans are so valuable because the Puritans don't teach that kind of thing. Right. The Puritans teach the Bible says that we're supposed to strive for holiness. And if without it, we will not see the Lord. Yeah. Um, and the Puritans teach that and encourage that. Well, there is a striving after holiness and the, you know, the spirit is the one who 
energizes us, motivates us, pushes us, leads us, but he doesn't do the work. He doesn't make you stop looking at those pornographic images like a magic fairy coming by and saying, oh, you no longer desire this anymore. He gets rid of our anger by our finding joy in Christ and getting rid of the anxiety and whatever else is leading to the anger. But we've got to stop being angry. Right. So, so it, when we talk about, so, you know, sometimes you'll hear people talk about um, sanctification being monergistic as well, but, but when, when that, that, that is used, it's not talking about us not working. Uh, it, it's talking about, okay, so the spirit empowers us. He energizes us. And like you said, therefore we work. Um, it's the same for, it's the same for when we're talking about, uh, monergism and salvation, you know, the spirit of God draws us, the spirit of God gives us the faith, um, but we're still called to repent and believe the gospel. Right. And this, and this is what the leading of the spirit does. The leading of the spirit helps us to live according to the moral law of God and live in righteousness. He gives us those holy desires so that we will strive and work and pursue holiness and righteousness. That That's why the leading of spirit led to this conversation about sanctification, because that's what the leading of the spirit is all about. Right. Just, we don't have time to, but I'm going to open the can and then leave it. <laughs> <laughs> the one caveat is, is while we have to put forth effort, effort does not mean we're going to see results. And I think sometimes people can get into that. Well, I did this and nothing changed. Well, change comes only through the work of the spirit. Right. I can't force myself to change. And that would be the other ditch that we can fall into. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Our encouragement to you, be led by the spirit. Allow the spirit to encourage your desire to be holy because God has called us to be holy. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, your dreaded or hopeful hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.